welcome to the Wrecked America Cosmetics Show, where we give you tricks, I mean, <laughs> tips to snag the perfect guy. I'm your host, Susie Sp- Welcome to Wrecked America, where the bullshit don't fly and the truth is the only thing that'll set you free. I'm the professor, and the following demonstration is an education on life through the lens of art and culture. School is in session, and as your instructor, I'll assume the role of tour guide to this world of corruption, hypocrisy, but which still manages to give birth to happiness, hope, and inspiration. My goal is to show you the America your granddaddy never told you about. School is in session. Let me fire out the computer and see what hidden headlines are being buried by mainstream media today. First headline. Man serves 60 years bid for selling three pounds of weed. Cannabis is now legal in his state, and he's still locked up. This story comes to us from The Source, written by N.D. Smith on May 10th, 2019. The cannabis laws in America are unfair and racist. Don't believe that? Consider 67-year-old Michael Thompson serving a 40- to 60-year bid for selling three pounds of weed to the manager of a car muffler shop in Flint, Michigan, back in 1994. Homeboy Coppin happened to be a police informant. Out of his sentence, he already had served 25 years in prison. While the entirety of his crime is not the intent to sell marijuana, but also a few gun charges from detectives going into his home and confiscating them off his property. All of the charges link back to the initial weed sale, which is a nonviolent offense. Thompson went to jail when he was 32 years old. According to Next City, since he has been locked up, his mother has died. His mother's last wish before dying was that her son not die in jail. She reached out to, uh, to a family member who's a congressman in Michigan to help. But as of today, there's no movement. Well, there is some, but for the state. In the state of Michigan has a recreational marijuana law officially known as the Michigan Regulation and Taxation of Marijuana Act that went into effect of December 2018. Proposal 1 made Michigan the first Midwestern state to legalize recreational marijuana. But there are caveats to this legal action. Even though you are a 21-year-old and can smoke it, you can even grow it, but you cannot sell it or buy it. You can only carry 2.5 ounces. One of the law states that you cannot blaze in public, but only in the privacy of someone's home or private property. This law is not that odd. It's very similar to the law in Michigan that forbids you from drinking alcohol in public. According to Next City, 
This new law, cannabis establishments can, char can be charged up to $5,000 a year to cover law enforcement costs and municipalities can apply a 10% excise tax on sales. With the money going towards education, infrastructure, and research on marijuana's medicinal properties. Basically, folk from the police to the retailers to civilians can creatively jump through hoops and get paid off the plant. The same plant that has taken half of Thompson's life. The irony of this shit is, well, it said shift, but you know, I'm gonna read it like I just saw it. The irony of this shit is cannabis legalization could be a good thing for Thompson. Maybe if the laws expand just a little bit more, he may see the light of day. Until then, he can focus on putting his experiences to services by supporting younger inmates. I've been working with the gangs here. I was telling these young guys, wash your heart before you do anything. Your heart is polluted, Thompson says. If you could just have been there to watch it, guys actually cry inside of those workshops. There is clearly a racial component to why Thompson is still behind bars. Many wonder, where is the Kim Kardashians petitioning for his release? According to the American Journal of Public Health, blacks and white both use illegal drugs at almost the same exact rates. Still, there is an overwhelming discrepancy on how much more frequently black men are incarcerated. The stats say that they are locked up 13 times more than white men for comparable drug offenses, which is mind-blowing when you consider that this, that this country has 5% of the world's population and the prison industrial complex harbors 25% of the world's incarcerated people. Let that sink in. Next hidden headline. All right, all right, we're going to keep it rolling, keep it rolling. Now, look here. Our next story uh, comes from the source as well. Chris Darden steps down as lawyer for Nipsey Hussle's alleged killer. This story was written by Miss Two Bees on May 13th for the source. Chris Darden filed a motion to withdraw from defending the man who Los Angeles authorities believed gunned down Nipsey Hussle. Darden, who is infamously known for his role in the O.J. Simpson murder trial, says that his family has been receiving death threats since he took the job and cites that his withdrawal is for personal, undisclosed reasons. You guys have been awfully good to me and my family. Thank you. I am on my way to appear for the last time in the People vs. Holder. I filed a motion to withdraw from the case. I thought I should tell you my friends first before anyone else, he writes in part. As for my reasons for withdrawing, I don't know whether I will disclose them later or not. I only know that as a lawyer, it is my duty to protect the rights of my clients, even in the face of threats or angry mobs. He continues, the right counsel is not the only constitutional right. It's a civil right as well. Just as they were in 1995, cowards never change. These days, these cowards don't send letters. Instead, they sit anonymously behind keyboards, threatening a man's mother and children. And some folk think that, that it's funny. It isn't, and I won't ever forget it. To those who issued those threats to my children, please pay close attention so that there's no misunderstanding later. Fuck you. In closing, he adds, as for me, I continue to thrive. I continue to be loved. I continue to walk with kings. 
I will continue my pursuit of fairness and justice on the behalf of my clients and others charged with crimes. After 25 years, some of them I still haven't learned. Their lies and threats will never deter me from my mission. Thank you again, my good friends. The struggle continues. Thank you. Chris Darden entered a not guilty plea for Eric Holder during one of his court appearances. Check out the full social media announcement below. And you guys can go on Source and check out that article about Chris Darden. I, I, I want to say, you know, my opinion of Chris Darden changed from the beginning of that article to the end of that article. I first thought he was a sellout Uncle Tom uh, coon who was doing everything for the dollar, you know, and uh, selling out his own people and uh, wasn't looking for justice. He was looking for a check. And uh, as the article went on down, I I'm sure that he he left the case because it just wasn't safe. I mean, you can't live in L.A. with the popularity that, that man have and think that if you get that man a reduced sentence or anything you do, that your life would not perpetually be in danger forever. So I get it. I get it. You have to get away from it. But my point is that you should have never really been on it to begin with. That should have been one case where you didn't want that money. Okay? But what made me kind of give or gain some respect back for Darden is that even in the position that he's in, he still seems to be a man of principle, meaning, hey, you're threatening my children, you're threatening my kids, you're threatening you know, my family, I still fuck you up. You know, and I didn't know he had that in him. I didn't know he had that bit of gangster in him. I thought he would be the the first one hiding behind a blue squad car, pointing pointing people out in the mug in, in, a, in a in a lineup, you know, off of mug shots. But Chris Darden sounds like shit. You come fucking with him, you know, he got a he got a cap for your ass. So, you know what? In in the in the pursuit of truth, uh, I think a little bit of truth slipped out when he yelled "fuck you" in that press conference or in, in that letter that he wrote. So um, just knowing that he has that in him, the ability to uh, stare controversy in the face and say, hey, I'm going to do what I'm going to do and fuck who don't like it. So for that, I will give you credit, Mr. Darden. Next headline. <clears throat> art is expression, and the best art expresses itself with no need for interpretation. I've selected a handful of poems that were sent in by listeners to share with Wrecked America, from their favorite poets and authors. Immediately following this broadcast, go to hashtag Wrecked America and tell us what these poems mean to you. If you are a Wrecked America badass and have some deep poetry you want the world to hear, send it to poetry at wreckedamerica.com and we'll do our best to feature it on our next show. This first poem is from Harmony Holiday, Do Any Black Children Grow Up Casual? And another time we got carjacked in L.A. on the way home from Spago. Like a scene out of that movie I don't like about those hoes I don't love, it's hard out here for a pimp. A white woman with her brown babies, brown babies in a fancy car with unlocked doors. Most everything is semi-automatic. Two black men hopped in the front row seats and started waving guns like pom-poms. We made it. We made it right against the rim of her porcelain brain. All they wanted was the car and the color. The car was white like her. She saved our lives. Then the penguins came over with a book full of photos of black men so serious like kings in their mugging. And they asked us to pick which two it was. I was five. 
but I can feel the shrugged evil of it so true and impossible to touch as I pretended to recognize us. We closed our eyes and pointed at you and said, I don't know that man. We saved our lives. We tugged at the flashlight looking for bruises and found you awake. And we found a way. This next poem was sent in. Uh, it's called What It Looked Like. Uh, there's no author, so if anybody out there listening, if you know who this is, uh, who, who, who penned this poem, please let us know, because we'd like to give the person credit. What It Looked Like. Dear old dirty bastard, I too like it raw. I don't especially care for Duke Ellington at a birthday party. I care less and less about the shapes and shapes because forms change and nothing is more durable than feeling. My uncle used the money I gave him to buy a few vials of what looked like candy after a party where my grandma sang in an outfit that was obviously made for a West African king. My motto is, never mistake what is for what it looks like. My generosity, for example, is mostly a form of vanity. A bandana is a useful handkerchief, but a handkerchief is a useless-ass bandana. This only looks like a footnote in my report concerning the party. Trill stands for truly real, though it may be hidden by the houses just over the hills between us, by the hands on the bars between us. That picture of my grandmother with my uncle when he was a baby is not trill. What it is, is the feeling felt seeing garbage men drift along the pre-dawn avenues, a sloppy slow rain taking its time to the coast. Milliquest is not trill, nor is Bulabanese. Bakushan is Japanese for a woman who is beautiful only when viewed from behind. Like I was saying, my motto is never mistake what is for what it looks like or else you end up like that Negro Othello. Was Othello a Negro? Don't lie about who you are sometimes and then realize the lie is true. You are blind to your power, brother, bastard, like the king who wanders his kingdom searching for the king. And that's okay. No one will tell you that you are the king. No one really wants a king anyway. Tune in next week where we talk about which eyelash extensions to use and which ones will leave you blind. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next week.